1: Are you ready? Where are we
2: going? We're going on a road trip. I've been talking about it all week. Is that all ready? Can we not just stay home? Stay home? And miss out on an adventure? We can get all the
1: adventure we want from the internet and from games.
2: Not all the adventure. You never know what you're going to experience when you get out there. That is the point. If you cannot control the situation, something bad might happen. Yes, but the bad thing might make for a great story. Or even a great memory. Did I ever tell you about the first time my family went to Florida? No.
1: But I sense
2: a story is imminent. Well, let me set the mood first. You gotta find my background tape. Oh, sorry about that. Let me turn that down. So, as a kid, my mother had gotten sick for a while, long enough that her driver's license had lapsed. By the time she was better, it had been. Years since we had gone on any sort of family vacation, my mother being very ambitious, decided to take things up a notch and plan a trip to Florida. And we weren't going to fly there, we were going to drive. So she had to get her license and she was really worried about that. Now it might not have been that big of a deal because both of my sisters had their licenses at this point. So when they did drive, they drove in shifts. And we had a big car, this big Buick. And... You could fit a ton of people in this car, but for some reason both of my sisters and my mother decided to sit in the front seat. Now these were bench seats, so you could fit three people up there, and of course nobody wore seat belts. I had the whole back seat to myself. This Puick had an 8-track player, and I remember my mother had brought two 8-tracks. One of them was Rod Stewart, and the other one was a Willie Nelson 8-track that had On the Road Again on it. And Every time we stopped and we took off, my sisters would pop in that particular a track and we would hear On the Road Again whenever we took off. And it became our theme music for that road trip. And I remember we hit North Carolina on the way down, and we were going to stop for the night. And it was really difficult to find a hotel. We stayed at this really horrible place that we would talk about for years later as being the worst hotel we'd ever been in. Then the next day, we started to take off and... It started pouring, and my sister was behind the wheel, and I kept looking out the window, and I was freaking out. My mother told me to calm down. I said, I don't want to calm down. I don't want my sister driving. I want you to drive. After complaining for maybe 10 minutes, my mother said, well, why don't we just pull over and let me drive? My sister was a little insulted, but she let my mother drive because she was my mother, and I shut up instantly. I would later find out that at that moment, my mother felt a certain sense of empowerment. She had been worried about this trip the whole time and her ability to get us down to Florida by herself. But when she saw that her son wanted her to drive, and she had not been driving. My sister had been driving at this point for over a year. My mother had not driven for several years. She felt like she could do this, and she did. She got us all the way down to Fort Lauderdale, and we spent several days down there. Then we drove up to the greatest place in the world, Disney World. And... It was one of the best vacations. I have a ton of stories, but the thing that makes me happiest about the road trip itself was the fact that it inspired my mother to get out there again. And we would go to Florida for the next two years after that. Same road trip, same places, great time. But it all started with that first one, taking that first step, and it is always difficult to do so. But if you have people who believe in you and you're determined, you can make things happen. So what do you think, robot voice?
1: I think it sounds like a very
2: human experience. And is that bad? I am not sure. Well then let's find out.
1: Where are we going? Oh, you'll see. (laughs) What are we supposed to do
2: while you drive? I brought some tapes of people who shared their memories of road trips, and I thought it might help set the mood. In this story, Doug takes a trip to Kings Island Amusement Park while he was in college, and he talks about all the good times he had.
3: When you grow up in Columbus, Ohio, as I did, you make a road trip to Kings Island Amusement Park, just north of Cincinnati, at least once in your teen years. I made that road trip several times in my teen years, at least once a summer. The best of those road trips to Kings Island though is the one that I made with my two best friends between our sophomore and junior years of college. The oldest of us could drive. I don't think the other two of us could drive yet, but the oldest of us could drive and he had a car and he also got a hotel room. We were not old enough to get a hotel room by ourselves, but his mother had gotten a hotel room for us. So our plan was to go down in an afternoon and visit not only Kings Island, but also the beach water park, which is basically across the street. So we went down there, which is not far. That's only about an hour and a half trip from Columbus to Cincinnati. And we went to the beach. First, we checked into our hotel room, then we went to the beach, had a lot of fun there. When we came back, I collapsed on the bed and couldn't move. We realized later I had heat stroke or heat poisoning or something, but all we knew at the time was that I was just abnormally tired. And my friends wanted to go have fun, and I wanted to go have fun, too. They thought I was going to go to sleep, though. I said, no, I'm not going to go to sleep. I just need to rest my eyes and that's the last thing I remember. I went immediately to sleep. They then ditched me and went and had fun at the uh, International House of Pancakes. Now, these stories are secondhand. I didn't get to witness these, unfortunately. But two things happened at the International House of Pancakes. One is that they started playing some... International House of Pancakes songs on the jukebox. There were these songs specific to IHOP on the jukebox for some reason, and they started playing them. They uh, were laughing about these songs, and they asked the uh, waiter behind the counter why those songs were on the jukebox, and the waiter said, because morons like to come in here and play them. I was also told that there was a Miss Pac-Man machine in this International House of Pancakes, and there was a middle-aged guy playing Miss Pac-Man as his wife and young children watched. And apparently the wife was praising her middle-aged husband. She told the kids, look how good daddy's doing, kids. And the father replied by saying, the secret to this game is not to get too cocky. While all this was going on, I was struggling to stay alive. I kept coming back into consciousness periodically and looking for things to drink. We had bought a bunch of uh, boxed, juice drinks, which were called Boku. I don't know if you remember Boku, but it was a big advertising campaign at the time. I guess this would have been 89, 90, 91. And uh, we just thought the name was hilarious. So we bought a bunch of Boku. I remember drinking almost all of that and uh, several sodas as well. I never could stay asleep though. Continued to uh, fall asleep. My friends eventually came back and uh, pushed me on the uh, floor and uh, went to sleep themselves. Now, we had the air conditioning running, but at some point in the middle of the night, my one friend who was sleeping close to the air conditioner decided it was too cold in the room, and he got up and turned it off. I saw this happening, and I wanted to stop it from happening, but I was still too tired to stop it from happening. I couldn't move. The best I could do was whisper, Matt, no, don't turn it off, no. That was the best I could do. It wasn't good enough, he didn't hear me, and he turned it off anyway, and my misery persisted. Fortunately, when we woke up the next morning, my misery was gone, whatever ailment had uh, led to that fatigue had vanished over the night, and I was ready for a fun day at Kings Island, so we went there. Many things happened during that day, Two of the most significant, though, is that we ran into the Miss Pac-Man family again. We ran into them in front of a roller coaster called the Vortex, which was a pretty big roller coaster at that time at King's Island. It had six loops. You went upside down six times. That was its claim to fame. So as we were walking by, this family came walking the other direction, and they stopped in front of that roller coaster, and the mother looked at it and said to the kids, ooh, that's a big roller coaster, isn't it? To this, the father replied, That's because that's the Magnum, dear. Now, the Magnum was the 200-foot-high roller coaster in Cedar Point on the other side of the state, the exact opposite side of the state from Kings Island. The second thing that happened is that I got over my fear. Of roller coasters. I have always been somewhat afraid of roller coasters. I have done them, but it was always under duress. I always forced myself to do them. I would get in the seat and then I would push myself uh, into it with my feet, pushing my legs uh, against my back, wedging myself in there as tight as I could, and then just close my eyes until it was over. I was doing that for part of the day, but my friend saw me and commented on it and said that I needed to get over that. And somehow, I did. I'm not exactly sure how, I just know that we went on the Vortex and instead of just enduring it, I started to like it. And I have liked roller coasters ever since that day. So it was a road trip that not only gave me a bunch of great stories that I am still telling 20 plus years today, but it's also a road trip that really changed my life.
2: In our next story, Vintage Volts talks about his family's road trip to Florida in a homemade camper how he slept through a brush with danger, and how a good Samaritan can make a big difference.
4: I was six years old in 1972 when my parents planned a trip with friends to take two whole families from Pennsylvania to Disney World in Florida. This included a total of eight people. The problem was, they didn't have a vehicle large enough to take everybody. However, thanks to more lax vehicle building regulations of the day, they decided to build one themselves. After acquiring a stripped down truck frame, they proceeded to build a fully functioning Class C style camper from the frame up. A Class C camper is generally designed to have that top over sleep portion with a little window and hangs over the cab of the vehicle. In my opinion, this is the best spot for a kid to be when a camper is rolling down the road because it gives you a great panoramic view of the countryside while you're traveling along. We didn't have any kind of portable gaming devices in those days, so counting cars, playing license plate bingo, and watching the scenery roll by is all we did to pass the time while we were awake. There's something else special about the top sleeper portion, at least from my own personal experience, but I'll get to that shortly. The trip itself had a rather interesting moment of excitement. Apparently, we were cruising down the road when someone in the front seat noticed a wheel rolling ahead of the camper. They thought some truck behind them lost the wheel and was proceeding to roll past us. It turns out that we were the ones that lost the wheel. A rear wheel, to be exact. Shortly after noticing the odd object, the driver found himself suddenly fighting for control of the vehicle in order to be able to stop it on the side of the road without it tipping over. I was told that it was a rather frightening moment. The reason why I was told that was because of that special feature of the top-over sleeper. Apparently, it was so comfortable to lie down in that I slept through the entire event. Later, as in much later, I woke up, oblivious to all of the excitement that had occurred, wondering why we were stopped on the side of the road, and wondering who this unknown stranger was that was working on the camper. That stranger happened to be a good Samaritan who helped us find a replacement wheel hub at a nearby junkyard, allowing us to continue our trip with as little delay as possible. Beyond that, the trip was rather uneventful, except for that period of time we spent wandering around the good old Magic Kingdom.
2: So what did you think of that? I think I would
1: like to be in
2: one of those campers. It does sound cool. Next up is Chris, who talks about a life changing experience as he moved from the freezing Midwest to the road trip mecca of sunny Florida to start a new life.
5: My favorite road trip happened in January of 2011. Now hold on, do not skip this story, please. If you want to hear about my stories of road trips with my parents back when I was a kid to leave the Ozarks and some of the awesome arcades there, I've written about that on the Retros already go look it up. There's a search bar. Why this is my favorite memory is it was the time my then fiance, now wife, and I moved from St. Louis to Florida after a hard, cold, icy winter down to sunny Florida. We played all classic road trip games. I spy, 20 questions. We kept track of the license plate states we saw. I think we got them all thanks to Disney. We saw a lot of janky, shady tourist traps along the way. In the back of our car, my wife had a figure that I'd given her, I think for a birth, of a Professor Layton. He's a Nintendo DS character, if you don't know. And he's very poseable, so he had a little table that he would drink tea on, so like, when we'd go out for lunch, he'd sit there with us, or if we played cards, he'd hold some cards, and it was just such a fun, funny thing to do. And so enjoyable, and so... Much like I remember as a kid. You know, I guess even the figure that we were playing with reminded me of the very first Transformer I ever got was Starscream, and that was because we were going on a long car trip, and my mom said, pick out something, and I was like, what, a plane and a robot in one? Sold. So maybe that helped bring the memories back, but it was also the reason this is my favorite is we were starting a new life in a new state. We went out there on a wing and a prayer. I mean, we moved out there without jobs. I can laugh now because we have jobs. But, I mean, it was scary, exciting, and fun. And it was that combination of the old traditions of driving down, you know, taking a long car trip, and the meaning of the car trip, which was the new start, I think makes it my favorite. That is my favorite road trip memory.
2: Now, as a robot voice, you might find this next story kind of interesting. Sean talks about how even a boring road trip in the age before high-tech electronics could still be a great time.
6: So when I think back to road trips I took as a kid, they're pretty much all the same. You go from point A to point B. Not a whole lot of excitement in between. No lampoon's vacation experience. Just driving. But that's not to say that I didn't enjoy them. I actually loved them, and I still do to this day as an adult. But the difference between when I was a kid back in my father's van and my kids today is that we didn't have built-in DVD players with endless movies, iPods or PSPs to entertain us on the trip. Now that's not to say that we didn't have electronics. My brother had a LED handheld Space Invaders game that he would let me play for two minutes or so until he overcame his frustration with it, and then would take it back in the middle of my play. And instead of built-in DVD players like our cars have today, we had the AM/FM car stereo, which had an A-track player. And my father, who liked the Bee Gees, played the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack enough to last me a lifetime. And then there's my mother. Now, my mother made sort of a travel package for longer trips. And in this package, there were coloring books, crayons, books, and my favorite, Woolly willy Magnetic Personalities, where you would use a red magnetic wand to create different hairstyles and mustaches on the bald picture. The other handheld game was an old hand-me-down manual pinball-like circus toy, where you would pull back the spring-loaded lever and release it to shoot a small pea-sized ball and try to land it in the cradle that were marked with different scores. Now this and the other items in the package would usually keep me occupied for about an hour or so. Then I would move my imagination. My mother would play I Spy with me since my brother was busy getting frustrated with space invaders next to me. I Spy was fun for a while, but moving at the speed of 55 miles per hour, you're kind of limited to what's inside the car, and we'd run out of things pretty quick. Though my mother would play along acting stumped when i would say the same thing a few times but the most fun i had in the car and i'm not sure what it says about me was staring out the window now this involved three different activities for me one i would look out gazing at different landscapes making a mental bookmark for myself so that i could gauge where we were on the ride home in respects to my house another was finding all the funny and interesting things i can make in the sky with the cloud coverage which i still do to this day If I happen to be a passenger, but that doesn't happen too often. And the last activity, but my favorite window activity, was running and skateboarding. Now, I don't mean that I would hang out the car window and skateboard, but I would use my two fingers and put them on the window and pretend to be running real fast down the road, jumping trucks and houses, mailboxes, and any other obstacle that would get in my way. Now, like I said, I don't have exciting stories, but as a kid, this is how I got through my road trips. How I entertain myself. And when I look in the rear of mirror at my kids now, glued to the DVD player or video games, I think they just don't know what they're missing.
1: What does he have against high-tech electronics?
2: Nothing. This was just in an era before they existed. He sounds like a dangerous radical. You think everyone who is not made of 90% silicon is a dangerous radical? They usually are. Okay, just calm down. This next story is by Sam Jordan, who shares his memory of a road trip brought on by a new phenomenon in the 90s. Internet dating.
1: Good. Someone who respects technology. Oh, just be quiet.
7: It was the summer of 1996, the summer of the Atlantic Games, the Spice Girls, and the Macarena. Now, based on that, you might think I'd want to stuff my memories of that particular summer into a wooden crate and bury it deep inside the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse... But no, no, I hold on to my memories of that summer because of a special road trip I took. See, I was going from upstate New York to Detroit, Michigan, just outside of Detroit, actually, by myself, of course, to meet a girl. A girl I had met a few months earlier on the internet. Yes, the brand new internet of 1996, back when it still had that that new internet smell to it. It was great. Her name was Laura, and boy, it was I smitten. She had a pretty face, a great sense of humor. We were both around 23, 24 years old at the time, and obviously rookies with this brand new concept called online dating. So it was exciting, very exciting. And we both dove in head first, maybe a little too hard actually. After weeks of phone calls, online chats, and yes, even letter writing, remember that? I borrowed my dad's Chrysler minivan, I was told it was a chick magnet. And I embarked solo on an 11-hour drive. The trip was brutal. It really was. Pennsylvania's Interstate 80 seemed to stretch longer than Stretch Armstrong. Now, sure, there were lots of rolling hills and majestic mountains, but they all just served as temporary obstacles to getting to Laura. Because when a pretty girl's waiting for you at your destination, the minutes can feel like hours, and the hours can feel like... hours listening to the Macarena, the longest unit of time measurement known to man. But I got there safe and sound. I found my Motel 6 accommodations as lovely as I had seen them on the brand new internet. My room even had a beige ice bucket in it, just like in the picture. And then finally, the moment arrived. A knock at the door. It was Laura. I paused. I asked facetiously, who is it, even though I knew it was her, and then I opened it. She was covering her face with a giant teddy bear for me, and when she finally moved it aside, I saw, yes. She was beautiful. I was giddy. We both were. We hugged and looked at each other. We were both so nervous. We soaked up that excitement for a little while longer and then proceeded to simply have just an awesome weekend together. We went to a Tigers game, back when it was Tiger Stadium, swimming at a lake, a dance club, and we saw Independence Day. And we both found the movie to be a little weak. But because of that film's ties to that weekend for me it does always bring a smile to my face and that reminds me hey academy where is bill pullman's oscar anyway after three really fun and romantic days it was time for me to go and yeah my heart was heavy and the drive home was a sad one and a remarkably introspective one i did so much thinking there were all these questions going through my mind like what would become of me and laura did she like me as much as i liked her And why, oh, why were radio stations still playing the Macarena? Now, I wish I could tell you that Laura is my wife today and that we have three kids and a dog named Los Del Rio. But no, Laura didn't want to do the long distance thing, as it turned out. And she seemed to have an ex-boyfriend who was suspiciously not entirely out of the picture. So, yeah, I was kind of crushed for a few weeks in the summer of 1996. But you know what? As the years have gone by, the memories of that road trip to Michigan have blossomed like a big old sunflower, bright and warm. I learned a little bit about women on that trip, a little bit more about myself, and way too much about Interstate 80.
1: Do you see how technology brings
2: humans together? I thought you'd like that one. Next up is Vic Sage. He's going to talk about a trip to a magical place that his grandparents took him to. The Land of
8: Kong. The road trip in my youth, I remember most fondly, was back in 1984. My grandparents that summer had promised they would take my cousins, Brandon and Ashley and I, to a secret place they knew of. My grandfather also took me aside one Saturday morning and told me that I would be the one that would be the most excited when I found out where we were headed. He was 100% correct. Because that morning when we left on the trip, what seemed like an eternity a day of driving it was only a couple of hours my grandparents pointed out a billboard sign to us kids time slowed to a crawl and my brain began to fritz out as i read the sign land of kong five miles my cousin brandon and i started yelling questions at my grandparents but the best answer we received from my grandfather was at the end of the movie king kong he didn't die he was hurt real bad but he was still breathing and the cops arrested him. They threw him in jail, but a rich oil tycoon paid his bail and gave him his own park to live in. My cousin Ashley started to get scared, but my grandparents told her that the park was safe. Kong was too old to cause any trouble anymore. Our family arrived at the land of Kong, and we couldn't help but cry out in glee at the 40-foot King Kong statue holding up a fey ray in one mighty paw. There was actually gorilla growls coming from the statue, or seemed to be. There could have been a speaker in the bushes or something like that. We also saw some Ali oop caveman statues as we drove to the gift shop and visitor's center. After my grandfather paid our admission, we began the driving tour. The park was filled with the stone dinosaurs, and none of them looked anything like what a real one would have resembled. The color schemes were interesting as well, like the T-Rex that was painted hot pink. The drive maybe took 15 minutes before we returned to the gift shop, and it really was a lot of fun. At the gift shop, we kids were allowed to pick one item. My cousin Brandon picked up a native spear, and I chose a large rubber King Kong toy. I don't actually recall what Ashley picked out, though. It was a really wonderful day, and on the drive back, we kids just talked endlessly about what we had seen. The cavemen fighting off the dinosaurs, the stories becoming more and more elaborate, even to the point that we swore that the King Kong statue moved. Now, sadly, Land of Kong closed down in 2005, but at the very least, I have this great memory, this great road trip forever.
1: Was King Kong
2: real? Well, to those kids in the story, he was real. That is not what I asked. Do you not know the answer? Why don't you look it up, since you're such a genius. Anyway, our next story is from CT, who talks about the road trips that would take him past Metropolis, Illinois as a kid, and how he finally returns there on his honeymoon many years later as an adult, and finally gets to experience the destination he dreamed of as a kid.
9: I grew up for most of my life in central Illinois. My grandparents, whom we visited almost every year, lived in Tennessee. At about the halfway point between the two places there was a little town, ironically named Metropolis. Metropolis is at the southern tip of the state of Illinois and is a town of about 15,000 people at this point. Still, they clearly have taken ownership of the name, and they celebrate the fact that Superman operates out of Metropolis in the comics, movies, TV shows, radio shows, etc. Superman is seen all over that town, and in their tourism branding, and the newspaper is called the Metropolis Planet after the Daily Planet, Superman is everywhere. On our family trips to see my grandparents while I was growing up, I would always ask, can we stop in Metropolis? And I wanted to see everything they had to offer. I wanted to take it all in. And on one occasion, I think we did drive through and take a look out the window to see the giant Superman statue, but we never did get out and visit the various other things promised in the Metropolis, Illinois brochure I had picked up at the state line rest stop. It wasn't until I was 21 in 1998 when I would finally live out the dream of stopping and visiting Metropolis. My then new bride and I went to Metropolis for our honeymoon. Now this may sound like an odd destination and perhaps it was, but as poor newlyweds it was a fun and affordable getaway. We did visit some nearby state parks and other scenic sites in the area, but I made sure that we spent one day exploring Metropolis. The most prominent thing that, and the thing that it's well-known for is the giant Superman statue that stands in downtown. In fact, if you do a quick Google search, you could probably find a picture of our president standing near that statue. The Superman decor is also peppered all the way throughout downtown. There's a phone booth that you can go into. There are wooden cutouts of the characters with the heads cut off, so you can take your picture as Superman or Supergirl. However, the thing that's really neat to explore is... Is the Super Museum. It was opened by Superman superfan Jim Hambrick. The museum is home to hundreds of pieces of Superman merchandise, collectibles, and various other paraphernalia. He has an assortment of vintage and modern toys, as well as props and costumes from the TV shows and movies. There's a Christopher Reeve Superman costume, a Helen Slater Supergirl costume, a George Reeves-Clark Kent outfit, and those are just to name a few. There's several others. It is a magnificent collection of stuff, and I'd love, now that it's been about 15 years, to go back and see what he's added to this collection. I I did make it back to Metropolis just about two years ago. Uh, My family and I went. We did not get a chance to go into the museum during that visit, but it was fun getting out, uh, showing my kids the giant statue, and noticing a few other changes that have been made since '98 including a Noel Neal bronze statue. It was an excellent road trip for us, and if you find yourself anywhere near the Illinois-Kentucky state line, I highly recommend you carve out a few minutes to pass through Metropolis.
1: That is nice. Do you think he and his wife met on the internet? Maybe. That would make it more romantic. Alright,
2: in our final story, we hear from Rob O'Hara. He shares with us the horrible secrets of these delicious burgers and how they have become a family tradition
0: when i think of summer road trips the one thing i think of is white castle hamburgers now i don't know if you're familiar with white castle hamburgers maybe you grew up in a place where they have white castles but i didn't i grew up in oklahoma and my dad is from chicago so every summer when i was a kid we would take a family road trip from oklahoma to chicago which is about 800 miles And halfway in between Oklahoma and Chicago is St. Louis. And St. Louis is actually home of the closest White Castle to Oklahoma. It's about a six-hour drive from here. So every time we would go to Chicago, my dad, you know, being from Chicago, he grew up eating White Castle burgers. And so it was always a a big treat for our family to stop and have White Castles. I don't know if you've actually had White Castles, but they actually call them sliders. And the reason why is because they have a reputation for sliding right through you. As far as I'm concerned, it's a well-deserved nickname. So anyway, my uh, father would always drive us from Oklahoma to St. Louis, a six-hour drive. We would stop and have White Castles. And then we would spend the next six hours crossing our legs and holding our stomachs and complaining that everything we had hurt. And then when we arrived at my grandma's house in Chicago, it would be a race as to who the first person to get to the bathroom would be. That is, if we hadn't already used a bathroom in a rest stop or a gas station somewhere between St. Louis and Illinois. So anyway, as far back as I can remember, every time we went to Chicago, we stopped at the same White Castles, we always had sliders, and then we always fought over who got to go to the bathroom first at the next stop. The funny thing is, I still go to Chicago on a regular basis, except for now it's me and my family, my wife and my kids. We go up to go see relatives, aunts, uncles, cousins, and my grandma, and I do the same thing to my kids. We always stop at White Castle, I always make them eat White Castles, and then as the driver, I have to hear them complain about when is the next bathroom stop. I don't know why this tradition has been passed from one generation to another, but I suspect someday when my kids are old enough to go to Chicago and visit their family, they'll subject their kids to the same treatment.
1: So what'd you think? I think humans are a
2: little crazy. Maybe, my friend. So what did you think of our journey? Have you enjoyed these
1: stories? I did. Wait, why did you say it like our journey was over?
2: Because it is. We are at our destination.
1: Where are we? How did we get here so fast?
2: While well, I powered you down for 14 hours sometime before the theme music. Here, let me lift you up here and put you on the dashboard so you can see where we are. Ugh.
1: Is this a Grand Canyon? Yes, it is. It is beautiful. Digital photos do not do it justice.
2: I thought you might think so. Thank you for taking me here. Well, thanks for coming, buddy. What do we do now? We just sit and enjoy. Okay, I'm ready to go. Me too. I think I saw a McDonald's not too far down the road. So do you want to stop anywhere else on the way home?
1: I think we should go wherever the road takes
2: us. That's the spirit. Have you ever seen the Pacific Ocean robot voice? I have not. Well, you're in for a real
1: treat. So are you. On the road again. Like a band of Gypsies we go down the highway. We're the best of friends. Insisting that the world keep turning our way. And our way is on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again.
2: Thanks for coming with me on this journey, and thanks to all the people who contributed stories that made this journey so much more special. Thanks to Doug McCoy. You can find Doug at The Retroist and at his website, authordougmcoy.com, where he posts his books, and at mccoycast.wordpress.com, where he posts his own podcasts. Thanks to Vintage Volts, who is also known as Jeff Sosman. He runs the website vintagevolts.com, where you can find all sorts of information about retro stuff, but mostly retro and vintage electronic devices. Thanks to Chris, who has contributed to the Retroist podcast and website before. He posts on the site as Dr. Quest, and you can find him on Twitter under Dr. Quest. That's Dr. Quest. Thanks to Sean, who posts at the Retroist and also has his own podcast podcast throwback reviews which you can find at the very apt url throwbackreviews.com thanks to sam jordan sam is a freelance writer broadcaster and comedian you can find more of his work at sofreakincool.com mediashower.com And hdreport.com Thanks to Vic Sage You can find Vic on the Retroist every day And he's also a regular on the Retroist podcast He also contributes to Doug McCoy's podcast So you can also find some of his work At mccoycast.wordpress.com Thanks to CT CT has his own blog and podcast Called Nerd Lunch You can find more about him and the podcast At nerdlunch.net Finally thanks to Rob O'Hara Rob is a regular on the Retroist and Retroist podcast. He also has his own podcast, You Don't Know Flack, which you can find at robohara.com, and he also contributes to Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. I hope you had some great road trips this summer. You still have a couple of weeks if you haven't, so get in that car and start driving. I hope you have a safe trip, and I hope you have a great weekend.
1: the road again like a band of gypsies we go down the highway we're the best of friends insisting that the world keeps turning our way and our way is on the road again just can't wait to get on the road again the life I love is making music with my friends and I can't wait to get on the road again and I can't wait to get on the road again.
2: Beautiful. Just beautiful. Robot Voice, have you ever eaten a chalupa?
6: This has been a reckless production. Goodbye.